The gravel squelched and crackled under the jet black tyres of my Audi. I rolled slowly across its surface, my powerful aftermarket headlights illuminating the ragged pathway in front of me. In the distance I could see it, the guest house my grandfather had built some 80 years prior to my arrival. I was here for a simple reason. I had a thirst that was seemingly unquenchable. Nothing could slake the dry feeling I harboured deep inside me. Nor would simple water, carbonated drink or juice satisfy this desire, though I drank all in equal amounts. This thirst had woke me up at night, distracted me during life's important moments, took me away from the ones I loved, but still, it remained. The drive here had been the standard country affair. I was some four hours from the bright lights of my modern city apartment, a white cube filled with very few mementos of actual emotional importance. More a place to throw my refuse at the end of the day, keeping it safe until I had to leave that room that brought safety and destruction. People had driven slowly in front of me the whole way here. The speed limit was 110, though this was nothing but a rough suggestion to the elderly person in front of me. The woman slowly drifted across the road, 40 kilometers under the speed limit, while I read and reread the Magic Happens sticker on the back of her vehicle. Elsewhere, her bumper assured me that this vehicle was Grandma's taxi, and that she was Australian born and bred, and the modern day hieroglyphs on the back of her car were a list of her kin. The drive made my head fill with foul thoughts and a frothy furor. It filled me with the bubbles of beer, the vile vapors of vodka. I wouldn't let this break me though. I got out of my car, locking it despite being the only soul in a 20 kilometer radius. This was my possession, mine. My high beams cast their blinding light on the stone and glass block in front of me, its wooden door still somehow solid after all these years of weather. I unloaded the car, brought the ungodly amount of stuff I needed for a simple three days away, and walked towards the house. Something shifted in my peripheral vision to the right of me. Surely this was nothing, if I'd really thought about it. I stopped my mind racing with adult thoughts and bargains in my head. Why would someone really be there? Why would someone be out there in the dark? Surely, if someone was there, I would just tell them to go away. There was no one there. I bravely ignored it and powered forward. Unlocking the ancient door, I let myself into the musty room. Nobody had been here for a year or more, and the spiderwebs and dank smell were evidence of this. Unpacking my earthly goods, I threw my clothes and other refuse directly into the small bedroom that looked out over the acreage. The room was dark, save for the torchlight of my phone. The anemic light that emanated from it did very little to allay my fears about would-be visitors. In fact, made me wonder what lived outside its round confines. I gazed out the window into nothingness. During the day this would be a vision of grandeur, but once the sun had set, was a bleak look at what little reflection I cast with my phone's light. Back in the small kitchen, I began the stove and prepared to make a simple meal. I chopped onions, garlic, some bacon I'd been conned into buying at the farmer's markets. The streaks of white throughout it were a sign of its vital and happy life, the farmer assured me. I found it hard to focus on what he was saying, as a 65-year-old man loomed over me, a small rat's tail plaited all the way down onto his dandruff and denim shoulders. Thanks, I'd said to him. They don't make it like this in the big smoke. 
My pathetic joke both offended him and painted me as exactly the sort of wanker he thought I was. Sorry, I'd offered, but he just looked over me to find the next customer and wait. The kitchen was smelling good once everything was cooking. Was there any better smell than frying garlic and onions, I wondered. The feeling of genuine happiness, such a simple moment of enjoyment took me by surprise, and I wondered if the country air was taking a terrific toll on my body. Sometime later my meal was done, and I was a happy man. I sat on the wicker couches my grandfather had originally purchased to furnish the house, and wondered why I'd never thought to replace them. Was it in honour of my grandfather's dream, or the sheer laziness about redecorating it I'd felt when I'd inherited this place? Either way, my lower back paid the price. The fire I'd lit to warm my icy bones was also giving me cause for headache, as the smoke filled the room more than it was meant to. Perhaps the chimney was blocked. Perhaps I knew absolutely nothing about caring for a home from the 40s. It was anybody's guess. I looked at my watch, 6.18pm. I couldn't quite fathom it. The darkness of a society without any real electricity, or anyone within a visible distance, had warped my perception of time itself. I had a long night ahead of me and very little to do. The goal of being here was to dry myself out, so this was fine. Fine until the boredom really set in. I walked around the house looking through old photos of a bygone man. He had pictures with my grandmother, the two of them always looking oddly standoffish in those pictures. At the time, friends had noted that he was a large barrel-chested man, but in my day of Men's Health magazine, I could see nothing of him but a huge gut and signs of his impending heart disease. My grandmother too shocked me. She must have been five years younger than me in some of these pictures, but she still cut the figure of the 86-year-old woman I'd said goodbye to on her deathbed. I opened the small cupboard that sat on top of the mantel, and that's where I found it. A bottle of 1978 port, something my parents must have left here on one of their trips. It was a vintage bottle in prime condition, save for some exterior aging. Immediately, alarm bells went off in my head, and I knew I had a struggle ahead of me. I slammed the tiny door shut, pretending I'd not seen what I'd seen. But I knew what I'd seen, and it was a sickly glorious sight. Half of me felt prepared for the disappointment of what I'd do, and the other half a form of sick elation at regaining my queasy status quo. I paced around the house, stomping around in the boots I'd left on to save my feet from frostbite. Do I drink it? Do I leave it? A conundrum rattled around in my head like a ball bearing loose in a tumble dryer. It clanked loud against my grey matter, hurting with each new vector it took. I found myself coming up with excuses as to why it was okay. I'd only drink a little of it, and it's not like I'd drink all of it. Once it was gone, it was gone and there was no more. So it was settled. Doing away with formalities, I popped the cork from the tawny and got to making a mess of myself. I guzzled a gutful in seconds, the velvety vintage nature had fully wasted on my dry throat. No amount of country air could replace this. And then... A knock. I stood stunned, holding the bottle down by waist height, now more of a weapon against a stranger than against myself. I was prepared to... I don't know what I was prepared to do. Get close enough to swing it against their face? Smashing the glass bottle into their head? Surely I'd not have the courage to do that. And again, 
the knock at the door. I tiptoed towards the wooden door, straining my ears over the gentle patter of rain that had stolen the silence from the night. There was a window by the door, covered in gauzy ancient cloth, damaged by 80 years of cosmic radiation. Hello? I offered the door, sneaking a glance out the window. My fear betrayed me. My voice came out weak. Who's there? I counted in mock bravado. Nothing. Nobody answered. I leant in closer to the door to see if I could hear anyone on the other side mulling their response to my classic introduction. My ear was millimetres from the door when another rang out across the room. I jumped back, startled, feeling a sense that it was now or never that this drink could do something better than ease my thoughts. I gripped it hard and threw open the door, my arm high in the air poised to bring the bottle-based fury down on the head of this stranger. As I opened the door, I was shocked, not by the presence of the stranger, but by a complete absence. Nobody was there. I noticed the port was trickling down my arm in fat glugs from the mouth of the bottle. Annoyed, I threw my arm slightly down, but keeping it at the ready to attack. I leant out the door timidly and looked around. Nothing. My cone of vision was a mere five meters at best, but nobody was within it. I composed myself, shuffling back through the doorway, and shut the door. It was just country sounds, filling my feeble mind with imagined werewolves and witches. I stepped backwards slowly, and ice shot up my spine. I'd stepped directly into a solid object, something tall, wet, and cold. Turning around, I saw the humanoid figure some two feet taller than me. Take a seat, it offered. Its mouth was a buzzing cauldron of bees. We need to talk. I went to scream, but nothing came out. Just a thick jet of black vomit fought its way out my throat and blocked it proper. My whole body was frozen. I was unable to move it, but the thing was staring straight at me. I was slowly sliding across the floor towards the kitchen table, and before I knew it, it was being contorted to fit into one of the wooden chairs. This is my place, the creature offered. It walked around the kitchen, inspecting this and that utensil, picking it up and gleaming all the information it could from a shiny steel exterior of a colander. People like you aren't welcome in my place. I tried to speak, but all I could feel was the ringing of my stomach again, and the attempted propulsion of its contents. The creature, dripping wet and ominously stomping circles around my kitchen, picked up a tiny series of intertwined metal rings. This, it murmured. What? Is this? I felt my body slacken slightly and regained control over my previously rigid mouth. Uh, it, it's... you use it to measure pasta. Each ring indicates a serving size. It stared at the object. Why does this exist? I was confused. To... so... well... to work out how much pasta you eat? The creature didn't like this response. It vigorously shook its head and murmured. Why don't you just use your head? Can your head not work this out? I felt sheepish, now realizing the pointlessness of the device. Why does it exist? Why? It was becoming increasingly agitated. Where does it come from? I explained to the creature what metal was and how he gathered it from beneath the surface of the ground. How that metal was smelted and formed new materials 
that was sent to a factory. The factory was filled with my kind of creatures, all of them in terrible working conditions, producing these little rings all day long. Some people controlled the machine that made the rings. Some people put the rings in boxes. Others worked out how to get the rings from their country to mine. People sailed the rings to us on a big ship, where they unloaded the rings into trucks, and that took the rings to stores. People in the stores saw fit to sell us the rings, to make sure we had them in our houses. This job would allow them to buy their own rings. We burnt ancient dinosaur sauce to get to these shops, bought the rings, then took them to our houses. Once there, we threw them in a drawer, where we would likely forget about them until after we'd made some pasta. The creature had taken to sitting during this explanation, its head dipping lower and lower as I explained each little intricate step. Water dripped from it the whole time, drenching the table, the floor, its seat. He thought for some time. You deserve this earth, the creature said, standing up to leave. You. And everyone like you. It walked towards the door. I could sense it was getting increasingly angrier and angrier. Vibrating with hate and disappointment at our kind, it exploded into a thousand little pieces. The pieces of the man animated themselves, turned into tiny little creatures, and ran. They ran throughout the house, slipping into tiny little cracks between the floorboards and gaps between the bricks. They giggled, laughed, and warned me. We'll be watching you. Make very careful decisions moving forward in your life. I was shocked. I picked up the port and ran straight to my room, downing the entire bottle in a single swig. The next morning I awoke. Had last night been a dream? When I entered the kitchen, it was dry and clean. No remnants of the confusing creature could be seen anywhere. I left the house a few hours later, feeling oddly refreshed and confident to not drink anymore.